A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sir, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. That is sad. The Dave Hooker Show. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Welcome to the program as a lot going on. Certainly is. And we want to welcome an exciting new sponsor to the program. It is Zen Sports. If you haven't heard about them, download the app. And Zen Sports is a great way to do some peer-to-peer betting. So we'll get into that. That's a little bit later in the year. But Zen Sports, excited to have them on board. I'll tell you more about that as we go along. So there is a lot to get to. How are you, Caleb Calhoun? I'm doing well. I am doing very well. I'm I'm, I'm doing a lot better than politicians in the SEC today. I'm sorry. Yes, and never the two uh, should meet, but they do. Um, And they're, they're going to. We discussed that a little bit yesterday. Uh, we always leave it up to Caleb Calhoun to do our um, a politics report. Do you want to do a politics report on what happened uh, recently with Donald Trump, or do you want to do a hard pass on that? I'd prefer you do a hard pass. Oh, I'm absolutely going to do a hard pass. Um, I, but I encourage people if you want to, if you want humor that's bipartisan, follow Three Year Letterman on Twitter. I'm just going to give him a shout out. He is the funniest guy on Twitter. He get, he he makes fake statements that people think are serious, and then everybody debates him on it. It's like really hilarious. Nice. All right. So coming up, the Big Ten sets its schedule, which apparently the SEC can do, can't do. So is the Big Ten falling behind the SEC? Fred White, a football Friday with Fred. He joins us. Brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. What like Nico? Is it good or bad for him to be around with Joe Milton? And what would he? tell joe milton about replacing hendon hooker we'll ask fred white that because he's been in a situation where a t martin had to replace a peyton manning that wasn't easy and the balls had the 16th best college football playoff odds per bet online we'll discuss that and i had a conversation with a georgia high school football coach it gave me some insight as to josh heupel and a possible comparison with an all-time great we use steve spurrier a lot but I tend to think Josh Heupel is the best possible mixture of old school and new school. So I'll tell you why. First of all, though, it is four downs and maybe a little bit of politics, but not really. Four downs brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay, so in honor of Donald Trump, who was indicted and will theoretically have to, unless he manages to get around that, and I'm not going to tell you if I'm right-wing, left-wing Republican. I've never said that in 25 years, and nobody I've worked with has ever known, and you won't either. But it gives us a good jumping-off point. If there was any one person in Tennessee athletics that you could have under oath, and they have to be 100% honest, who are you sitting down? Who is under oath 
and they have to be honest. They cannot throw you some rigmarole. We're not getting political. We're not. But if there's one former vol, Tom, I promise you that. There's one former vol you could have under oath, and you got an hour to question him, and he has to be honest. He can't dance around the said subject. That's four downs. So we start with that. Brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. He'll save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars on a home. <laughs> Caleb has the most just, I, I don't know, like uh, inquisitive kind of thinking. Look, he's excited about this topic. I can tell. Uh, but andymasonrealestate.com, best service, best biz in real estate in East Tennessee. That is pretty awesome. So one guy that you could have under oath as we get to four downs. Already a vote for Philip Fulmer saying, hands down. I expected that one to come, and he probably would be my pick because the Johnny Majors transition was before me. So I don't know a lot of that other than what I've been told by great reporters like Jimmy Himes that covered it. But one person sitting down under oath, you get the inside skinny. They can be a player or a coach, an administrator. That's right. Oh, good point by Smoky Mountain Red. Fulmer could address T. Martin. He could address the Pruitt questions. He could also address the Johnny Majors, Alster. That's a tough one to top. All right, Caleb, who's your one guy that you sit down? And he has to sit there for five hours and answer Caleb questions, and they have to be 100% honest. This is, I mean, I hate to do this. I hate to be like everybody else, but it's got to be Fulmer, right? Like, it's, my, it's Fulmer I, I for me. Wanted, I know. I wanted to be different. It filled up the message board. But I forgot about the, you know, the T. Martin thing. For those that don't know, is highly alleged. T. Martin did take cash. As a prospect, the debate was whether or not he was a prospect because it was between his sophomore and junior year, and it was a Tennessee booster. Of course, they gave him money to come to Tennessee. But see, it's not just that. See, what I, I'd want to ask him, you want to ask him about the Johnny Major saga. There's so many scandals involved with, not scandals, but like dram- dramatic things that happened in Tennessee while he was there. Like, what I want to ask him is, because it was rehashed in 2016, I want to ask him what he knows about the lawsuit that the trainer filed against Tennessee. Because Fulmer was named in it at Ooh, one point. I have one better. I have one better. It's Peyton Manning. I want to know exactly what happened with the trainer incident. Because we've <laughs> heard anywhere from a mooning to physical sexual assault contact. I would like, and I, unfortunately, I've talked to uh, Jamie Wadded. She called me all the time to try to get me to pub her side of the story. Um, and she's a little crazy, but um, it, I. I would like to know Peyton Manning's side of the story. Um, I, well, I know his side of the story. I'd like to know the absolute truth. So that would be mine above Fulmer. You you, you beat me on that. I, I, you could also ask him, was he was he glad at heart that Tennessee won the 98 national title or was he upset because it was the year after he left? That's when, I, that's when I'd want to ask Peyton. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> Is there a yeah. little part of him? That is like, dad, blame it. They want it without me. Yeah. All right. So uh, coming up on the YouTube channel today, it'll be Cooper Mays. But Cooper Mays gets us all set for four downs right now. Cooper, what down is it, sir? Cooper, first down. Thank you. We appreciate that, Coop. All right. So first down, the question you would ask out of the Fulmer era, if Philip Fulmer's sitting on the witness stand, the one question. 
<laughs> it's it 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 is the Johnny Major saga. Did it you is. purposefully? Well, I believe that is true. So I, I th- mine's the T Martin. The message board won me over again. Mine would be: Were you aware of T Martin getting payments? Because ultimately, that led to a national championship. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just saw Ricky Top Tom's message. I'm, I'm. It's just. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah rocky top says he'd be over the moon for tennessee to win one referring to the mooning incident so one question during the philip former era what would you ask philip okay i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm going to say i'm gonna ask him this were you purposely splitting tennessee apart in 1992 to get the head coaching job did you maybe throw a game here or there against arkansas or south carolina um i'm Oh, okay. I don't think he did that. I I wouldn't go with that verbiage, but I would be interested. I, here's the question I have, because I think he did push to have majors removed. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so we can bring more people in. The question that I think is interesting is, would you have left Tennessee had you not got the job? Because he flirted with a lot of NFL teams as an offensive line coach. I don't think that he really was ever going to leave. But if he would have gotten passed over, much like John Chavis, when John Chavis didn't get a head coaching job, he realized it wasn't going to happen. Does Philip Fulmer go to a smaller school? Does he, you know, he coached one year at Vanderbilt. Does he get hired by Vanderbilt? This is how much things could change with one decision about Johnny Majors. Does he go somewhere else? Quite possible. Second down, Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right, so if you'll notice, Cooper begins to give himself more credit as he goes. So the Kiffin year slash era. The most cocaine-filled year ever. (laughs) One question that you could ask Lane Kiffin, and he would have to answer it under oath. That's second down. How many women did you sleep with when you were head coach at Tennessee? <laughs> I can't argue with that. Third down, <laughs> Cooper Mays. I mean, I know the rest of this stuff. So, I who mean, was the or who was the hottest? Who was the hottest one? Yes. Was were there any pseudo celebrities in the group? All right. Third down. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. That's right, Coop. Thank you. Nice snap. Butch Jones. What's the one question you would ask him? Did you force Chris Weather to play when you knew he had a concussion? Okay, that's that's way too easy. I, I would, I'm going with, when did you realize you were a sociopath? <laughs> and he has to answer it, so I may need a psychologist there to work us through it, but I think if, if he had to answer in reality, he would say probably around the age of 14 when I was dissecting roadkill like Jeffrey Dahmer. I would say, can you, I would actually do one better. I would be like, Hey, you're on the, you're on the stand, but you have to count to 14 for me because you know, when he went for the extra point instead of went for two against Florida, cause he didn't know the difference between 13 and 14 points. Yes. All right, Cooper. It's a possession down. By the way, when Cooper and I were doing these drops, I told him, I said, possession down fourth down. He goes, what's a possession down. Am I the only one that's heard that term? Have you heard that term, Caleb? Yes, but I didn't actually know what it meant, funny enough. so Yeah, it's if you lose that down, you lose possession. So fourth down. Anyway. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. 
Fourth down. Thank you, Coop. The Pruitt era, the one question you would ask. I mean, the obvious one is how many players did you pay? Yeah. Yeah, I would ask that. And the other question, why did you get your wife involved? <laughs> that, I mean, seriously, why did you? Because you've got hostesses running around that could do that. You've got ancillary players. You've got people in the recruiting department that aren't even paid. I, I don't know why his wife got involved. And particularly given the fact that he coached under Jimbo Fisher, why do you want football players around your wife, man? I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I mean, <laughs> as it turns out, Robert Peace married one of Philip Fulmer's daughters, and that was great. But for the most part, I don't want players around my wives or daughters. That's yes. just me. And I don't and have again, multiple Ask Jimbo wives. Fisher how that worked out. <laughs> didn't work out well. It didn't work out well. Um, and – it didn't. I don't think it worked out particularly well. Well for Michael Jordan when he was at Michael's in Knoxville back in about 1992. But we won't get into that. People talking about Jimmy Butler is he a love son of Michael Jordan? There's a love daughter in Knoxville. Got to be the first to tell you that. But that's an absolute fact. Coop, what do people need to do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. <laughs> Absolutely do that. And it's time for What the H, and it's brought to you by Craft Treats. Why does the Big Ten suddenly seem more competent than the SEC? Hit that like and subscribe button. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. The Big Ten sets its scheduling model immediately and I thought, I wonder if the same thing is going through Caleb's head as my head when I saw this news break. They're able to keep all of their important rivalries, a nine-game schedule model, and it was up and done. I think the Big Ten is pretty stupid for going out and get Southern California and UCLA, but they did it. They were aggressive. They did it competently. Nobody knew about it until it was happening. And they got what Caleb thinks is a better TV deal. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit going back and forth. I want to see where the SEC ends up. So what the H? Why does the Big Ten seem like the better run conference all of a sudden just in the past year, but particularly the past few weeks where the SEC was stumbling all over sand at SEC spring meetings? I think what happened, and this is the honest truth, because remember this, during COVID, after COVID, we all thought the SEC was the best run because Greg Sankey did a, to his credit, did a masterful job making sure the SEC had a football season during COVID. Yes, there were games canceled, players had to sit out, fans were limited in the stadiums, but Greg Sankey got through a full season. No other conference did that. I give him a ton of credit for that. Then the big, I think what happened is Texas and Oklahoma reached out to the SEC to join them. Greg Sankey was called flat-footed. But you, 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 you accept them if you can get them into your conference. So we did. Whereas when the Big Ten decided to expand, they planned to expand. They put together a plan to expand before they reached out to USC and UCLA. They were like, we're going to go get them. Then we're going to go negotiate our TV deals. And then we're going to figure out the rivalries. They had all that set in stone before they ever tried to expand. Whereas with Greg Sankey, it looks like Texas and Oklahoma called them. And the SEC was just like, oh, I guess we should add them. And... 
I, I think that's how it was. Yeah, but you're kind of Trent Dilfering that. I mean, Trent Dilfer still won a Super Bowl, even though he wasn't the primary reason that the Ravens won the Super Bowl. So you have to give Sankey credit. If we're going to get, give him a hard time for other things that don't get accomplished, like the schedule, we have to give him credit for Texas and Oklahoma. Um, now, you're, you're a little bit more down on Sankey than me, and, and that's fine. It's probably somewhere in between. There's a little bit more gray area. You brought up some points that I thought were really good about how maybe he's just captaining the ship as opposed to truly guiding the ship. And this has been my first real, this, the schedule thing has been my first real kind of second glance look at how is the SEC being run? Because these sorts of, these sorts of sports organizations are not suddenly stupid. They don't suddenly make mistakes. There tends to be an erosion in decision-making and maybe that's what's happening on the front end. I think we all saw in golf that it took about two years, but the, the live tour basically looked at the PGA tour and said, we can take this thing over. And so could we be seeing a slow erosion after great leadership with Slive and Roy Kramer before? I don't think we're to that point, but after this scheduling news, I think it's at least up for conversation. I don't think there's any question about that, but until until the SEC slips behind the Big Ten, and I mean on the field and in terms of popularity, you still have the SEC hitting all kinds of TV records each and every year as far as viewership. I I, I just can't throw what Sankey has done out the window. I can't what good say are the records that. if you're not getting paid for it? Say again, what? What good are setting those TV records if you're not getting paid properly for it? Make the whole concept just to get your money. You, you've given me doubt. I mean, you've given me pause, reason to think. Um, I, I still just... Um, and think about this. Here's the big part. And don't sleep on this, by the way. Because the Big Ten deal is worth two and a half times more than the SEC, the big schools in the Big Ten are going to have NIL more NIL money to throw around over the next seven years. Actually, the next 10. They're going to have more NIL money because, again, Dave, as you know, yes, NIL is not based on a school's budget, but it is. Because when a school has more money to spend on itself, donors don't have to give as much money to the school and they can spend more on NIL. That's going to happen. And I don't know if you noticed this, but the Big Ten has shot for the moon with some coaching hires recently. They just got Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. They got Matt Rule to Nebraska. They've got Lincoln Riley at USC now. They got Chip but Kelly at UCLA. A, but that's not a conference thing, is it? Or is that just having the money to make it a conference thing? It's having the money to make it a conference thing. I think the Big Ten is they're winning. Look, Mel Tucker had one bad year, and he's already on the hot seat. The reason Mel Tucker's on the hot seat is because I think Michigan State knows they're about to have some money to throw around where they can maybe go lure a big-name coach if they want to. And I, remember this, the night, you know, up until the mid-2000s, the SEC talent-wise has been the best conference since the 70s. It has. But it didn't start dominating national championships until the 2000s. Why? The SEC was always behind the curve in head coaching hires. You know this, Dave. How how long did it take for SEC schools to figure out maybe we shouldn't just hire our former defensive lineman to be our head coach because he played here? That took them forever. No, it did. Now, but you mentioned rule, and I think that that was a fantastic hire. But is that a better hire than Stoops? 
I mean, it's better on the front end, but Stoops has proven to be a very good coach at Kentucky with longevity. So those two schools, I think, are kind of similar in the hierarchy of their respective conferences. So I still think the SEC has better coaches top to bottom. Do you not? Wow. So you think Nebraska is is, is on Kentucky's level now? Talk about falling from 1997. <laughs> I, I do. But I, I really do because I don't think they'll be able to recruit at that high level. And with the transfer portal, you know, they like keeping guys around for three years and adding like 40, 50 pounds of muscle to them. I don't think you can do that with a transfer portal. I think the days, you know, we talk about Tennessee, can they get back to the glory days of winning championships? I think they're one of the schools that can. I think one of the schools that can't in this current climate is Nebraska. So I'm pretty down on them as a program long-term. Okay. Well, going through that, are, I don't think, I don't know if they are better top to bottom. And even if they are right now, I don't think they will be long-term. I don't think, I, I think the Big Ten will be better long-term top to bottom until the SEC can get a better TV deal. They got played. And by the way, people are mad at ESPN for not w- being willing to renegotiate. Why would you renegotiate if you're ESPN? You got the sweetest deal in the world. I mean, don't blame them. Blame the SEC for making a stupid decision to just give away the farm when you negotiate. And it, it's going to come back to bite them. I mean, I, 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 I thought Paul Chris had a, was, a, was a lifer at Wisconsin. I thought he was going to be a lifetime coach. For Wisconsin to force him out to go get Luke Fickle, that is a big, big deal. And let's not forget, you, you talk about great coaches. We got questions about Arkansas's head coach and Sam Pittman. We got questions about Mississippi State's new head coach. We got questions about Jimbo Fisher. We've got questions about Eli Drinkwitz, Shane Beamer, and Billy Napier. Yes, you mentioned Kentucky. I think Mark Stoops. I mean, if, if I had to, if, if you put me on a lie detector test, I, I might consider Mark Stoops a top four coach in the SEC, given what he's done at Kentucky. So that's like the high Me end. Too. No, I, I, I would too. Um, I, top to bottom, though, I would still take SEC's coaches. Now, the the money, the money could change things. But the other question, as far as um, when we talk about coaches, that somebody had uh, a great point about is a couple of those guys. If if you could ask them in the Big Ten, going back to Urban Meyer and Joe Paterno for our Donald Trump question, wouldn't you like to have them sit down and have to answer serious questions? Well, Joe Paterno, had he not, was lucky he passed away when he did, because otherwise he would have had to answer some serious questions. Uh, lucky? <laughs> I've never heard that term. You're lucky you passed away when you did. Otherwise, he would have been facing, he would have been indicted and facing, he would have had to testify under oath because there was the free report that came out that next summer. Well, I agree. I just don't think a lot of people say, Boy, that uh, lucky's a weird term to use, Caleb. Uh, to say, "Oh, we love Grandma." Lucky she passed away when she did. Fred White <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> not, not blessed in a better place. Nothing like that. She just dad blame Lucky. She cried. Oh, we, well, okay. We. I'm not sure Joe Paterno was in a better place. So, yout judgment Friday. Two minutes. How about my guy Fred White? A football Friday with. Fred, I'm going to ask him a couple of things. One, EA Sports is trying to put together this college football game again, and the players are saying, heck no, to $500. I want to ask him about that, if that's enough for a name, image, and likeness on a video game, because I personally want the video game, period. And then also, you know, he's been through a transition of Peyton Manning to T. Martin. What would he tell Joe Milton? about the transition and does the fact that some guy named Nico uh, presence 
help or hurt Joe Milton. Two minutes, Fred White off Thug Sports. And Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six of my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. What was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now I gotta do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadiz today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, here we go. We want to bring in Fred White. DFL safety, part of the Celebrate 98 series. His appearance brought to you in part by Tennessee Cider Company. Use the hat promo code and you get from uh, some free swag. And you can order the cider almost anywhere that you are listening or watching this program. And it is awesome. Fred, happy Friday. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Dave. How about yourself? I'm well. Uh, Football Friday with Fred today brought to you in part by Craft Treats as well. Go to crafttreats.com. If you got a pet that's uh, troubled by arthritis, digestive issues, or even anxiety, they have the CBD derivative chill pills that will help your pet. Also, they have great pet treats across the board. Use the promo code off the hook to get 20% off. Pretty good stuff. All right, Fred. So, the whole NIL thing started with the usage of name, image, and likeness on video games. It's basically, Ed O'Bannon with UCLA started the lawsuit, and that's what got everything going. So now mm-hmm. we're trying to – and you and I have, have played uh, video games before. We always, I think we always played the NFL version, the Madden version. But nevertheless, I would love for the college football version to come back. So here is – 
what they've worked out is the players will get roughly 500 per. There's a lot of players, you know, there's what 85 scholarship guys. So you have to pay a lot of guys. But when I throw that number at you as a former player, that number $500, what do you think? I mean, it was better than what we got. We got nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We talk about – so celebrating down eight is something that we do, and it's been going well. And myself and Jermaine Copeland talked about how we had $200 between us to go to spring break. But everybody in, the, everybody in the world could play our video game with our likeness on it and image on it, and we couldn't get a dollar. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, 500 bucks would have been great to go to spring break with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So 500 is enough? If you had a vote at the table, you'd say that's good? Well, that depends. Because here's the thing. You give Peyton Manning 500 bucks? Oh. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So guys I mean, that don't need it are getting it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, like, well, no. I mean, like, do you give Peyton Manning 500 bucks? It's Peyton Manning. He's up for the Heisman. And he can get a lot more money now in, in, in IL than what he could have. You know, do you give him 500 bucks too? Now, if there's an agreement, I feel like here's the thing. I think it's coming to the point where there's going to be a players association coming up when it comes to college football because they get paid like NFL players now. So that money that they're getting, I think there's going to have to be some kind of ruling or rules to be able to do these things because if you can get paid $500 just for the video game, then someone else is going to say, well, EA Sports decided to give them 500 bucks and they went with that. So Coca-Cola might do the same. Or you follow what I'm saying? I mean, I think it's, it depends on who you're dealing with and what you're dealing with. It's, it's a lot different than what I thought it would be. Yeah, and I, I wonder, too, if it could splinter, if you could have mm-hmm. an EA Sports and then another video game that, kind of like the USFL did back in the day, tries mm-hmm. to get some of the biggest stars. A lot of people don't know that Charles Barkley's not on NBA Live, which I play with my son all the time, because he chooses not to be because the money wasn't enough. So yep. you, could have, you could have people splinter off and do that. Fred, you're, I mean, what you're saying is right. I mean, I want the video game. But I know the type of dollars that these guys are making, and in particular Jacob and Cooper Mays, because they work with us. And five hundred dollars ain't a lot of money. I mean, it'd be nice to have, but it ain't a lot of money. When they sold one hundred and thirty million of Madden uh, last year. Exactly. I mean, it's they open this door with this image, name, and likeness thing. When they open that door, be careful what you wish for, because it's you know if you can pay a guy eight million dollars to come play college football, the door is open. The gate is open for anything to happen at that point. So, there, and there's no rules. It's like they're playing wild, wild west right now. I mean, that's really what's happening. You can actually, I can go offer a guy, we can go offer a guy 16 million if you wanted to, 20 million if you wanted to, because there's no cap. There's no limit. There's nothing that you can, can't do at that moment when it comes to offering them money. So, I think there has to be a lot more ruling involved in order for it to get to the point of, you know, there needs to be some kind of ruling. I mean, every sport that gets paid has a union. NHL has a union. MSL, MLS has a union. NBA has a union. Major League Baseball has a union. 
NFL football has a union. Anytime you're going to pay guys like they're playing these guys now, you need to have a union with rules. There has to be rules. If not, I don't know how long, I don't know what's, what's going to happen with it. Yeah, Caleb, I don't think you can get the EA Sports College football game done without a union. I think you've got to have everybody agree to the 500. And if you don't have everybody, then it's not going to work. It's not. I think one way to save them money and they can pay players more money is it might be possible. We talk about going to a power two in about three years in college football with the SEC and the Big Ten, each having like 25 teams. That's probably what they'll do. They'll just only have the SEC and the Big Ten conferences team. So then they only, they only have to pay out that many players, not 120, 130 teams, however many there are in college football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred, so do you think that – do you think that NIL – and I know you, you think there needs to be some sort of union with rules, and I, I agree. Do you think that it's – with NIL, there is there needs to be an understanding of players that some players are going to just get a lot more money in certain avenues than others. That is true. Yeah, I do. I think that's going to be the case. But and I think they, I think players understand that. I mean, look at it. The quarterbacks are always going to be the guys who get get paid. But there's going to come along a guy who is a Deion Sanders who's going to promote himself very well, and all of a sudden he's going to get paid like that. Here's the thing. You paying these guys coming from high school. Major League Baseball does it. Hockey does it. Football is coming right behind it, and there's no changing it. I see the thing that says, if you want to get paid uh, on the side, I see the comment, if you want to get paid, go to the pros. Hey, they're already in the pros now. The, the rule has been passed. Now these guys can get paid. So we're either going to have to get with it or not. It's going to happen. It's happening right now in front of us. And in 10 years, it's going to be completely different. Every guy on the team is going to make a lot of money. No, it's, just I think what's, it's what's happening right now. No, I think you're right. And when the NIL came along, was there any resentment? Because I'm, I'm going to back Fred on this. Because you know, Fred, and if you watch the Celebrate 98 series, and this is both off the record and on the record, those guys didn't take money because they were afraid they would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I thought that everybody got money back in the day, but that's not the case. And I wonder, was there any resentment by some players when the NIL did finally come along that players were going to get paid? Because guys like Fred and a lot of other people are asked to do stuff free all the time. And I think that tenor was set by your time in college football where you couldn't get paid. So was there any resentment by former players? No, I'm happy they get paid. I'm happy they can. Because, okay, I'm from Griffin, Georgia. I couldn't get money to go home. I had to ride a bus, a Greyhound bus. It cost me $15, $25. And I didn't, a lot of times I didn't have $25 to go home, man. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So that's why I'm on campus at spring break. And I'm the only person there trying to figure out how I'm going to eat. But there's people wearing your jersey with your name on the back. Go yeah, figure that. Weird. Uh, but I, get, I don't get a dollar from it. I don't get a penny. Not even a penny. I mean, if I had gotten $20 from a jersey sale or $10, I would have took a dollar. Hell, I took 50 cents. (laughs) Levi asked us, uh, do the NFL players get paid for their NIL in the NFL video game? Well, that's part of the thing is that's part Mm -hmm. of the being the the union. union. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the collective bargaining agreement. So in in a way, yes, they they get some money, but it's just part of their their salary. It's not a separate Mm -hmm. endorsement type of thing. So let's talk some ball headed up. This uh, 2023 season, you have Joe Milton replacing and Hendon Hooker. We have seen that happen 
before at Tennessee where a quarterback takes Tennessee to kind of another level and then in steps a guy that is unproven. That happened with Peyton Manning to T. Martin. Do you mm-hmm. see any parallels there at all? No. I can no. go with that. Why not? Peyton Manning was the number one player picked in the draft. True. So coming behind that guy has a lot more pressure. He's the number one player picked in the draft. Um, now, I got a lot of respect for Hendon Hooker, but I got to see Hendon Hooker do it at the next level, too. We know what Peyton Manning did, you know what I mean? But I look at it from a standpoint, I think you have good quarterbacks have come through here plenty of times. You've had Casey Clawson. You've had um, Tyler Bray. You had a lot of guys that played really good football at the University of Tennessee. Man, it's next up mentality. So if you see that as pressure, you probably shouldn't be playing quarterback. This is my thought. I mean, everybody doesn't think the same thing, but I look at it from a standpoint of, man, I'm a competitor. I want to go out and do better than what he did. Tory Noel and, and Ray Austin were the guys who were in front of me. And Corey Gaines, I promise you, when I got on the football field, I wanted people to forget them <laughs> that by playing the way I played. That's my thought process. Everybody don't think like me, but I'm very competitive. When I walk through that room and when I'm walking on the football field, I want you to know I'm the best safety done played on that field. That's my thought process. Now, there's some guys that are better than me. Eric Berry was amazing. So is um, Dale Carter and also Deion Grant. But I, I think I can hold my own with anybody. And when those guys left, I was like, it's my time to show what I can do. Plain and simple. Yep. Uh, I, it's, it's kind of the whole corporate thing. You always want the CEO that replaces you to basically be a massive failure. <laughs> it makes you look a little bit better in retrospect, right? Yeah, it does. But it's, you know, for me, it's like, I remember the guys telling us back in the day, uh, and it was part of Tennessee culture, right? It was one of the reasons why we won. If you were a senior, leave your position in a better place than what it was when you got it. So you teach the guy behind you everything you know so he can be better than what you were. That's the whole thought process of trying to keep the program going in the right direction and also keeping your winning program together. That's part of culture, period. That's your locker room. That's on the football field. You teach those guys the right way to do it so that they can understand, hey, man, this is how you do it, but you add your own to it to make it better. So, Fred, building off that, would you say that T. Martin, because I I, I had a joke in the – first segment i'm like i wonder how peyton manning feels that they won the national title after they left but do you think that's a to you do you think that's actually a good representation of peyton manning's legacy that he left the situation for the quarterback situation better than when he found it even though he wasn't there to win the national title he left the university in a better place period when peyton manning signed on as as a quarterback university tennessee and his even his freshman year you think they got the number one recruiting class without peyton manning you think some of those top five receivers would have came to Tennessee if Peyton Manning wasn't the guy who signed on the dotted line? He created a whole windstorm of talent coming to Tennessee. I mean, you listen to Jamal Lewis and talk about, I've talked to him all the time about this. Jamal Lewis thinking to himself, I'm coming in and Peyton Manning is the quarterback. You can't stack the box. He, he created a lot of things for University of Tennessee to be better and us to be able to win a national championship. And we also saw perfection from a guy every day and his hard work and leadership. So, yeah, I think he left the university in a way better, not just the position. I'm talking about the university as a whole because of what he did and coming back to the University of Tennessee his junior year to play his senior season. I think that's 
all of that makes a sense of how we won a national championship. That 1995 team, we talk about the big uglies uh, with Mercedes Hamilton on the night of Celebrate 98 thing. We talk about how the offensive line was the leaders of the group. Mm-hmm. You had Bubba Miller, Leslie Ratliff, Jason Lehman, um, Jeff Smith. All those guys were the leaders on the football team, but they set the tone too. Those are the reasons why we won championships. We won championships because of the culture. We won championships because of those guys giving everything they had and showing you the way. And if they told you, if they gave you any instructions, you just followed them. And I think those are the things that help us win. We didn't win a championship just because we, we were so great in 98. Hey, man, we learned how to be winners from 95 all the way through 99, you know? True. And I think Peyton, and, and to answer that question, do, you th- do I think Peyton was how, how he felt? Man, he was so happy for us. Terry Fair, Marcus Nash, Joey Kent, all those guys were on the sideline when we won a national championship. Yep. No, I didn't know that. That's true. That's true. They, Let- came, they were so happy for us. Let me ask you this, Fred. So somebody told me within Tennessee's football program that if Joe Milton was even thinking about slacking, that when Nico showed up on campus, that there was no slacking because it was obvious he was good enough, that Nico was good enough to push somebody. Mm -hmm. How does that sentiment strike you? I mean, that should be your mentality anyway. I mean, uh-huh. that should be a to mentality anyway. You, <laughs> hey, man, you, if you're a senior and you let a freshman come in and take your job, <laughs> hey, man, that's on you. That means you weren't getting the job done. That means you had that senioritis. You better not have senioritis because all these guys aren't – anybody coming in want to sit no more? Name a player that wants to come in and not play as a freshman. I can't name one. I can, I'll share a story with you about Steve Caldwell, who I, I love. I th- thought he was a great guy. But I remember asking him one time shortly after signing day at a spring practice. This is when I, I learned quickly kind of that freshmen aren't expected to do anything. I said, well, some of these guys that you have at defensive end, do they get motivated by signing with the guys you had, which are four- and five-star guys? He goes, Good gracious. If they need to get motivated by incoming freshmen, we've got a problem, Dave. You got a real problem. <laughs> you got a real problem. And the other part of that is someone told me this a long time ago when I was getting recruited, and it still holds the same to me today. If you see a football team that has a lot of freshmen starting, or that you can come in and start as a freshman, your team is probably not that good. It's either your team is probably not that good, or you probably the, or you got to be the most exceptional freshman that I've ever seen. I mean, you think about it, from 1995 to 1999, my time at UT, I know one freshman that made an impact. One. His name was Jamal Lewis. He was the only freshman that came in that was ready to play immediately. That's it. And you're talking about a whole lot of guys that play NFL football. Jar Henderson was a fifth player picked in the draft. Albert Hainsworth was a sixth player picked in the draft. They sat the bit. You understand what I'm saying? It's at the bench for a whole season, bro. They weren't ready to play. And so I don't put a lot of stock in freshmen. I put a lot of stock in the guys. I mean, you, you may get a guy every now and then that could come in and do it, but those are generational type players. If you come into the SEC and you can start as a freshman, you better be a dog. You're going to be. they got to be a dog. That's the only way for you to get on the football field. Yeah, And drunken Ray Goff, which you can learn more about <laughs> drunken Ray Goff. 
on the Mercedes Hamilton Celebrate 98, which is going to drop today. Drunken Ray Explaining like, so much why so many of you guys didn't commit to Georgia in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> Drunken Ray <laughs> Golf, like Jasper Sanks over Jamal Lewis, and may or may not have shown up at Mercedes Hamilton's uh, home to recruit him heavily intoxicated. But well, I remember going cool. to Georgia's football camp, and he was the head coach. And I'll never forget myself and Takeo Spikes. And you don't know who Takeo Spikes is, you need to Google him. Oh, I do. No, I, know I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. If, yeah, he may be, he's going to be a college Hall of Famer coming up, and I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL, too, at some point. Listen, we went to the football camp at Georgia. i never forget, we were the last two guys that they interviewed, right, Well, talked to the head coach during the camp. And i never forget this. I'm thinking, I know they're going to offer us. Man, everybody that came out of that room got an offer with the exception of three players. And I couldn't believe it. I remember Takeo walking out of that room and he was like, they didn't even offer me. So who were the three that didn't get offered? Ryan Taylor, he was a number two linebacker in the state of Georgia. He went to Auburn. Um, Takeo Spikes and myself, we were the only three that didn't get off. <laughs> only three players that didn't get an offer. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And two years later, you totally guys were play, you guys were playing each other in the SEC championship game. Exactly. <laughs> I literally couldn't believe it. it was like, I, I remember telling my coach, I was like, they offered me a scholarship. I accept it. I grew up a Georgia football fan. I mean, go figure. You live in the state of Georgia. How are you not one, right? Oh. And I just remember when that happened, the, <laughs> the DB coach told my high school coach, well, we just signed four players like him the year before. And I remember looking at my coach, and I told him, man, they don't have not one player on their team like me. I played against all the guys they graduate, they, that they signed, and not one of them were better than me. I beat them in every sport. Football, basketball, we beat them in track, beat them in baseball. They never won a game against me. So Drunken drunk Ray Golf. <laughs> Fred, this is all you can do is shake your head and say drunken Ray Goff. By the way, he's not even coaching anymore. Is I mean, I, he went 46-34-1 and one at Georgia. I mean, good Lord. Fred, you and I could assemble a football coaching staff and go slightly above 500 tomorrow at Georgia. With the, with the, stat, with the players he had on that squad, on those teams, absolutely. We could, our record would be better than that, for sure. Drunken Ray Goff. But you know, I'm happy. I'm happy I did. I'm happy I didn't go to Georgia. Thank you. I appreciate you, Ray Goff. Yeah, you'd be like uh, uh, playing against this Jasper Sanks guy in practice. Thank goodness I don't have to play against Jamal Lewis because drunken Ray Goff didn't really want him. What the H? All right, dude, let's go ahead. Fred, drunken uh, Ray Goff. We were thinking enough. ourselves, you got to, you, you mean to tell me there's a running back better than Jamal Lewis? <laughs> we got to see this guy. <laughs> we got to get, we got to get Ray off on the show at some point and just all sit there and be quiet and not, not say anything. And at the end, we have him wanting him drunk and Ray off. Hey, and offer some Tennessee cider, man. <laughs> <laughs> We can get you a free ad with a promo code. Go to dnsideyourcompany.com. All right, Caleb Roma, man. Um, well, I mean, I will say there's quite a few coaches in the past who who liked the sauce and won national championships and were able to do that. Well, Marlon <laughs> Wallace would have been a ball instead of a Georgia Bulldog had a 
certain coach <laughs> not thought it'd be best to G-E-A-U-X go to his home with a few pops in him? Do we know who I'm talking about, Fred? What is that, guys? Yeah. Yep, I know who that is. Okay. I'm just leaving that right there. And his grandmother said, you get the H out of my <laughs> and then Marlon Walls went from a Tennessee lean to a Georgia commit in a matter of like four days. Wow. Sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Wow. <laughs> Fred, thinking of recruiting and all of this, um, on a little more serious note, because we were talking about playing time and things like this, what does it say to you about, co- about players who – do you want recruits – is it a red flag if they commit – if they commit elsewhere because they're worried about playing time. And the example I give is, you know, Peyton Manning committed to Tennessee knowing he'd have to compete with Brandon Stewart, Eric Ainge and Brent Schaefer committed knowing they'd have to compete with each other. But the same year Ainge and Schaefer committed, Brian Brom would have committed to Tennessee, but decided to go to Louisville because I don't think he wanted to compete with them for playing time. Is that a red flag when a quarterback or anybody uh, commits elsewhere because they're scared of competing? No, I don't know if it's scared of competing. If somebody already has two quarterbacks on there coming in in that class, I don't think I would be the third one. I mean, I'd find a way uh, go somewhere where they're having just one other quarterback. But as a as a football team, you know, you want to have multiple quarterbacks. Absolutely. You want to have at least two quarterbacks in each class, in my opinion. But if I'm a player now, for instance, when I was coming out, I knew everyone's roster. They would send you those books and have every player on there. And I asked about every last DB. I wanted to know who they were, what they were, and who you were bringing in. And I remember having conversations back when I came out the same year that Charles Wilson came out, came out the same year that um, Antonio, uh, no, Fernando Bryant came out. And we were the top three corners in the country. Charles Wilson was definitely number one. Um, I wasn't going to go to Michigan when they had two of the top five corners in the country coming out. When I can go to the SEC team and say, okay, Tennessee's how many DBs are signing? They only signed two, myself and Al Wilson. That was it. So you look at Alabama, they signed four DBs. Auburn signed four DBs. Florida State signed five DBs. I mean, go figure. This is a process of elimination. Yeah. You know who wouldn't take Charles Woodson? Drunken Ray Goff. <laughs> <laughs> You can keep stepping in the Big Ten because we're good on DBs. We've turned down all the good ones. Hell, we'll turn you down too. Yeah. Question: Who was who was a worse coach, Ray Golf or Mike DeBose? Drunken Ray Golf or sober Ray Golf? <laughs> Ray Golf or Mike? I mean, Drunken Ray Golf's one B. And sober <laughs> Ragoffs a slotly one a uh, the um the other thing I wanted to get to so and this is way off topic but we're talking quarterbacks and drunken Ragoff and <laughs> Chris Sims said something that has popped into my head way back in his recruitment so he's considering Tennessee committed to Tennessee at one time in 1999 and so this celebrate 98 series. I've learned so much about the unity. And we had Jeff Hall on. We're going to drop that one this weekend. Jeff Hall, in case you didn't know, it is a Caucasian man. And then <laughs> a lot of, yes, and a lot of players that were on Tennessee's team were not Caucasian men. But I remember Chris Sims saying at the time, 
He said part of the reason this is after he was at Texas. And he said part of the reason I didn't go to Tennessee is because I felt like they were racially divided. And he was going through the recruiting process when Who you said were this. This was Chris Sims. I'm going back a long time. But when he was asked after being at the University of Texas, he said all the white guys sat together and all the black guys sat together. Yes, he was referring to Tennessee, which is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Which UT? You sure he was talking about this UT instead of that UT? Well, he ended up at Texas. So, I mean, if he's racist, then (laughs) (laughs) maybe he was drinking with Ray Dolphin. Thought the wrong UT. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Copper on the Copper seller on his trip. Well, I mean, I mean, there. That's the thing. That was still the most bizarre comment in the history of man. As you guys were so close, it still are. Yeah, that's the, that's the craziest part. It still are. I, I don't know what he's. We, the entire team hung out together. You saw Spencer Riley at the cookouts too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you saw Spencer Riley. He was as, as wide as they come. And then <laughs> and then I did love the fact. So let's let's tease the Celebrate 98 series. So Fred can call whoever he wants. He can call T Martin, who's a Baltimore. We're gonna have all we're gonna have Al Wilson on. We're gonna have all these these guys on. And he specifically wanted Jeff Hall as a kicker, who Caleb reminded me was a captain for that team, which for a kicker is extraordinarily rare. And then during the discussion, and we'll drop that this weekend, Jeff talked about how he ran one tens with you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. Jeff Hall was not your average kicker, Fred. And that's no. why you wanted him on the series, which is awesome. Well, I want him on the series because he's my teammate. He's my brother. And this Celebrate 98, he's part of that team. And he's a clutch key part of that team. Without his kick against Syracuse, we don't win the game. You know, we don't win the national championship without that. That starts the season off. He kicks the field goal against Florida and puts us, you know, up in overtime to win that game. I think those are things that, you know, he's a legend in my book because he's he was our kicker. And he, how many times do you vote a kicker to be a to be a captain? Well, that's my you point. You understand what I'm saying? How many yeah. times do you vote a kicker to be a captain? Yeah, 25 years from now, if I'm doing let's do 22. Chase McGrath is not going to be on the group of guys the list that I'm going to interview. Sorry. I understand. <laughs> I mean, but, but you know, but Jeff was, he had a personality. He was our teammate and he was, he was one of us. He was. Yeah. And he was I, one of us. I love that he said, I got around the offensive lineman and I realized they wanted, that I wanted them to be my friends. That's probably your first good move. Well, because for one, they got to block for you. Somebody blocks your kick. Yep. And they got to know that you're willing to go in and put in the work and do the same thing they're doing because they're out there grinding it every day and every, you know, every play of each game trying to, you know, get extra yards and get yards. And all they want you to do is kick the ball between the uprights. Yep. I, 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 didn't, get, I didn't get a chance to tell you this, but uh, Jeff ran the 110s. For those that don't know, you run 110 yards. And then you've got how long of a break in between? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. You run one tens again. One ten, so you run 10 one tens is how mm-hmm. the drill usually works. Jeff texted me last night and said he was actually faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that, I got some oceanfront off oceanfront land for you in Idaho. And in Lithonia. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was 
probably the most athletic kicker in modern day Tennessee football history. I mean, Jeff was an athlete, man. He he worked out hard. I mean, that we didn't expect for him to work out like he did, but he did. I mean, so what you're saying is that was impressive. What you're saying is if he's out on the strip by himself and a regular fan starts a fight with him, he could win the fight. If a regular fan started a fight with Jeff Hall, they better hope nobody else on the team sees it. Yeah, I'd be more <laughs> worried about the second wave coming. I yeah. led by Fred White is what I would be. They better concerned. hope nobody on the team sees it. You touch Jeff Hall, you want to. <laughs> it's not going to go well for that, dude. All right, Fred, if people need insurance in the Georgia area, you're going to expand to Tennessee pretty soon. But if people need yes. insurance, how do they get in touch with you? Because they'll be in good hands. Well, you can give us a phone call at 770-381-0367. You can also look us up on every social media platform there is. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for Fred White Allstate, and we're there. Uh, Google us. We're there as well. You can actually do your own quotes online without even talking to us. Um, we're willing to help you do anything we can help with. Um, educate give you answers on things you may not know, even if you don't go with us. Uh, our whole goal is to make sure that you're educated before you, when you leave our office or when you leave from talking to us. We want to be able to help, and definitely you'll be in good hands. Just like Benson Scott had good hands for holding that ball for Jeff Hall. I saw that over there. That's my That's buddy, too. That's true. That's true. He has a son that, goes, that plays some baseball, and he's going to be really good. Jeff or Benson or both? Benson, both. Jeff's kid is a little younger, but Benson's son is going to be, I think he's a UT commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. good stuff. Yeah. And then you got uh, you always got Bobby Scott, who's fantastic, who gives great insight to football, but starts every answer to a question with, hmm, "Well, you know." <laughs> <laughs> leave Bobby alone, man. Leave Bobby I love alone. Bobby. I love Bobby. Explain relativity, Bobby. The theory of relativity. Well, you know, E equals mc squared. And <laughs> I mean, his answers are always great. But he starts it with, well, you know, I had great, great so we, stuff. Hilarious. Fred, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you. All right, man. You guys have a good one. Go balls. Thank you, buddy. Okay, and I, I'm not ripping Chase McGrath on the message board at all. But here's people that don't know when you go to practice, most of the time, the specialists, the punters and the kickers are literally over there playing frisbee on another field during practice. Jeff Hall would come out there and run with the guys and stretch with the guys. That's not common. I don't know if Chase McGrath did that specifically. He did hit the field goal against Alabama, which makes him a legend. I agree with that. But it was a number. It wasn't a pretty kick. It wasn't a pretty kick. You're never going to have a Jeff Hall. And Jeff brought this point up. I'm going to tell you why you'll never have another Jeff Hall. Why he has the record at the University of Tennessee that will never be broken. After this, two minutes. Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. 
Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Drunken rig off. <laughs> so Jesus, boy, that never gets old. The Remember when people got mad at Spurrier for calling him Ray Goof? No, I don't remember that, but he was right. Apparently, drunken Ray Goff goes to Mercedes Hamilton's house and recruits him intoxicated. Come on. William says play golf. I think he means pay golf. Yep, Tennessee probably owes him a check from the 90s. Passing on Jamal Lewis for Jasper Sanks. And I remember him trying to shove that down everybody's throat, the poor Georgia fans. <clears throat> and, and they would say, no, Jasper Sanks really is really, really good. He ain't Jamal Lewis. I mean, I, again, Caleb, I think talent evaluation is is tougher than you think it is. We've discussed this before. But you and I could tell the difference between Jasper Sanks and Jamal Lewis, couldn't we? Well, yes. And to be fair, I think talent evaluation is easy with five-star guys. I, I think it's it's not – I think most of the time you can tell if the guy – but yes, yes. I, I don't even remember Jasper Sanks. That's, that's what we're oh, talking wow. about. Here. Okay, yeah. So, he was He was like pretty good. He was like uh, a Travis Stevens level, but he was not an elite, one of the best running backs of his generation, Jamal Lewis level, or even a Travis Henry level. So that gives you a little bit of context. Hopefully that helps. I forget sometimes that I'm the old man in the room. I'm not used to that. Smoky Mountain Red <laughs> says you might stop by the Sevierville Cider location today. If you order online, use the promo code HAT. You can get some free swag with any order. You can order ciders in like 42 states. Phenomenal Tennessee Cider Company. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, that Jeff Hall stat that Caleb's pulling up. City Heating and Air Conditioning, Integrity Matters, cityheatandair.com. Might not need a whole new unit. Might just need a part. Might just need some coolant. That's City Heating and Air, cityheatandair.com. 50 years in 
service there in East Tennessee. All right. So Jeff Hall, depending on if you want to use bowl games or not, which were added on, <coughs> excuse me, sometime in the mid 2000s, I believe, as far as their statistical records, has about 400 points as the all-time leading score. That's never going to be broken. Much like Emmett Smith's career rushing record in the NFL, Jeff Hall's record is never going to be broken. Why? Because in the NIL and transfer portal days, just like Tennessee is doing now with bringing in a place kicker, why waste a scholarship on a high school guy? Why not wait and see if somebody has success at an Indiana or a smaller school? Because more than any other position at kicker, you can simulate and you can project what they would do at your particular school. So I don't think that that record all time scoring record that Jeff Hall holds is going to be ever broken because you essentially have to play four years, which he did. And I don't think you're going to see that out of a kicker ever again. Yes. And, and it's a 371 is the career scoring record. Just found it. I think when you add in bowl games, he's close to 400. So there's no way that Charles Campbell, who's the Indiana kicker who transferred in or anybody else, because he just has one season left is ever going to break that record. I would argue I mean, Heupel's going to score 400 touchdowns in a season. So 400 extra points. <laughs> right. I would argue that that is more unbreakable than Emmett Smith's record. And nobody's going to give the ball to one running back nearly as much in the NFL. I mean, I, I, that, I agree. That's not Tennessee's most unbreakable record though. I will yeah. There's that. a few out there. If you want to go down that path a little bit, I'm, I'm up for that. There's a few unbreakable records out there the non-scored upon team that's uh, never is, happening again yeah andy spava's 547 career tackles never that's pretty good again. chuck webb's 294 rushing yards in a game that's never happening again no peyton manning's 11,201 passing yards i mean that 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 definitely could happen but you josh hype nico would have to start for three years and I, I'm not sure any quarterbacks want to start for three years at Tennessee anymore. Fouad Reves's eight fifty plus yard field goals in a season. No, because here's this. I, that's an interesting one. I think I, that might. I forget the record at Tennessee, but the record, the longest kick made in Tennessee football history, is not going to be broken. And I think Fouad Reves has it. And the reason I don't is you could kick off a tee during that time, and you can't kick off a tee anymore. Right. Uh, I'm I'm going to out of that group. We'll just go ahead and make this a smoky hot take. Out of that group, it is obviously. I mean, we have to take the 15 straight shutouts, right? That's never going to be broken. But never as going far to be broken as, again. yeah, I, I'm. I'm not going to say Peyton Manning because of the passing offenses and the way they are now. I'm not going to say Chuck Webb because anything can happen on one particular day. Uh, Fouad Reves is eight. 50-plus-yard field goals, sure, that's a factor. But I'm going to go ahead and say above all of those, other than the consecutive shutout streak, is Jeff Hall. I don't think that his record will ever be broken at Tennessee. When we do celebrate What about T. Martin's record? Of the consecutive passes completed? Yeah. I think if you wanted to, you could go out and break that record with a bunch of screen passes and – 
Or, or, or what about Joey? I always, thought that was a, I always thought that was a lamest record. Do you remember the South Carolina game where they're throwing little flat passes and like the easiest? Yeah, pass but they were scoring touchdowns all the way. Which there were, there were, there was a touchdown pass he threw over the middle into double coverage. It was crazy. He completed that. Right. There was. Uh, you're right. There was that one pass, but other than that, it was a lot of passes that you and I could have. Well, T. Martin acknowledged that. T. Martin wasn't aware he was breaking the record, and he was like. I didn't. I didn't understand why David, Cook, why Coach Cutcliffe called this screen right here. I had no idea why. And apparently, everybody else knew, but he had no idea. And it was an ego thing for Tennessee's coaching staff to be able to say, "Hey, don't need Peyton Manning to be able to put together a great passing offense." I thought that was an ego thing. They had established themselves in the run, and they they wanted him to get that record because he took a back seat. And that they didn't let him do a lot, Caleb. So I thought it was cool he got the record. I do think it's kind of the lamest record in sports. What about Joey Kent's career twenty eight hundred receiving yards? Just because I, I mean, you, you'd have to have, you'd have to be go to receiver for three years nowadays, which you're just not. Um. Well, what? Well, okay, do this for me. Look up just for instance, Jalen Hyatt. What did what did he end up with last year? What did he end up with his career? You know, he did have a question whether or not he was coming back for another year. So Kent's record is what again? Twenty eight fourteen. Which and you're right, the Jalen Hyatt he has he had over twelve hundred yards last year in seventeen sixty nine. So if he came back for another year and repeated last year, he would have broken Kent's record. But but is a receiver going to come back ever? Like if you're a thousand oh. yard receiver, see I. I don't think Jalen Hot was a very polished receiver. Now I know that that infuriates some people, but from talking to scouts, not just my eye, but I don't think he was polished. I think that an argument could have been made to come back, and then the NIL money, if it continues to increase, might make some decisions tougher. We're seeing that in college basketball, Caleb. We just haven't seen it in football yet. True. Reggie White's fifteen sacks. I mean, that could be broken, but I just think Reggie White was such a special player. You had like, like theoretically, I don't think you're ever going to get another Reggie White. So, so Smoky Hot Take, you got to pick one record other than the consecutive shutout that will not be broken. One record other than the consecutive shutout record that will not be broken. And you're going with Jeff Hall's career points. Yes. I'm going with Floyd Ravisa's 60-yard field goal. And the Maybe. reason – no, 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 no. He ate 50-yard field goals in a season, but he has the all-time length record because he hit a 60-yarder. Okay, so you well that surprised me you to go there because I could see at the end of the half somebody taking a shot as a sixty-two or sixty-one. I don't. I, I want to look this up, but I don't know many college kickers that hit sixty yarders. I see it in the NFL, but I usually see it in domes and controlled climates. And Tennessee never plays in domes or controlled climates. So I'm going to stick with Vlad Ravisa's sixty-yard field goal. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. No, uh, it's it's Andy Spivas' five hundred and forty-seven career tackles. That's never going to be broken because of the way they measure tackles nowadays is totally different from back then. Right. And Mr. Jones pointed out Derek Barnett broke the sack record, but Caleb was referring to the single season sack record. Yeah, so single Derek season Barnett, sack record. Yeah, Derek Barnett broke Reggie White's a career sack record, but we were talking about the um, the single season record. So I bumped into a gentleman yesterday who had a great comparison, I thought, for Josh Heupel to an all-time great. And we've gone down the Steve Spurrier road, haven't we? We've done that quite a bit. But here's the road he went down. And I wanted to bounce this off you particularly, Caleb, because you were such a football historian. 
He said Bobby Dodd. Bobby Dodd, now this is a long time, very successful high school coach that was in the state of Georgia. So he knew their program because they liked to woo him and get his players. And so he knew Georgia Tech. He knew Georgia. And he said Bobby Dodd would have volleyball games the Friday before, instead of walkthroughs, the Friday before Saturday games. Now, Josh Heupel's not going to do that. That's a little absurd. And Georgia made fun of them because of it. However, as a player's coach, I think there's an interesting comparison to Bobby Dodd. I think you throw in a little Steve Spurrier, and suddenly we have a good feeling of what Josh Heupel is. we got to remember, it's only been two full seasons and two and a half years. So I, I, I found that very interesting. What did you think of the Bobby Dodd comparison? This guy just laid on me at the gym yesterday. I mean, that's a good one. Bobby Dodd was a legend at Georgia Tech and a legendary player for Tennessee back in the 20s, probably with Nalen's first great player. I believe Bobby Dodd, I'm trying to remember if he changed. Yeah, so one of the things that was unique about Bobby Dodd was Nalen was famous for the single wing, which was fashionable in the 20s. That's what made Bobby Dodd a star. But he was willing to transition that and use some of that to develop his wing T offense that he ran at Georgia tech. Similar to how Mike Josh Heupel was part of the Mike Leach air raid and then developed his own offense when he went to Tennessee from the air raid, but also involved in included the veer and things like that. So that's, that's a very interesting one. And also another comparison, Bobby Dodd took over a once great program. If you guys remember Georgia tech was the essence of college football in the South in the 19 teens and 1920s. And they had kind of fallen off. And then Bobby Dodd takes over and revives them, just like Josh Heupel took over Tennessee that had been a program that had fallen off. And so I there are Caleb, some similarities. I, I just knew Caleb would crush this topic. Mr. Jones says Heupel and Mike Vrabel are similar, except they're on opposite sides of the ball. No, I'm, they're I'm, not. Okay, don't, well, don't get overly animated. You're, you just get too excited. Him and his don't give Mike Vrabel that much credit. I Sticking with Todd Dowding, speaking of drunken people, okay? Drunken like, off. Todd Dowding gets a DUI somehow between, if you remember this, the Titans beat Green Bay last year on a Thursday night. Thursday night football, game is at like 1130. Todd Dowding gets a DUI in Nashville at like 215. When the heck did he get drunk? They don't allow alcohol on the team playing. And then the Titans didn't win a game the rest of the year. Drunken Todd Downing. And Mike Rebell stuck with that guy. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. How dare you, Mr. Jones? Absolutely harsh. All right. What do people need to do, Jacob Warren? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Yes, Dave does. So hit the like and uh, subscribe button, share with your friends, and let them know that we're live each and every weekday at 10 a.m. on YouTube and wherever you stream the Twitter as well. If Elon Musk doesn't ruin that Caleb um, group of five teams, uh, you have an interesting perspective in that group of five teams are largely overlooked, but I don't think that's going to be the case when the Vols play who today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Does Tennessee play the best group of five team? 
this year as a whole. Brought to you by Vassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Go to Vassy.com to learn more. With their buying power, it's worth the trip from Nashville, Knoxville, or Chattanooga to Cleveland, Tennessee to save thousands of dollars. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Vassy.com. They bring you the ball report with Jacob Warren each and every week. So, Caleb, this group of five discussion is pertinent to Tennessee. Why? Because Tennessee plays who I believe to be the best group of five team in the country this year. The team that's going to get the New Year's Six bid out of the group of five in the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. A team, by the way, that wasn't even Division One a decade ago and is now going to join the American Athletic Conference. They've, been, they've won the Conference USA the last two years. They've won 30 games over the last three years. And now they're getting to step up their testing because they've moved into the AAC, the which we all, I think, is probably right, the best group of five conference, the American Athletic Conference, maybe them or the Mountain West, one of the two. You know who helped build them to where they are, right? That was uh, a coach there. Are, are you are you aware with a Tennessee tie? Who? I'm not sure. Frank Wilson, um, a very good recruiter out of the Louisiana area. He went back to Louisiana for a short time when the whole Lane Kiffin thing blew up, and then he got the head coaching job at UTSA, and – he helped them transition into being a division one power. Very, very good coach. So Frank Wilson is back at LSU. Uh, he served as the head coach at UTSA from 2016 to 2019, then McNeese university in Lake Charles. He is as good of a recruiter in Louisiana, not named Ed Orgeron that has ever walked the face of the earth. He is the type of guy that you other recruiters should fear in the Louisiana area. He has done a lot, not just for recruiting, but for altruistic reasons to help inner city youth and impoverished areas in both Baton Rouge and New Orleans. He was actually featured on primetime, uh, was a Dateline, Dateline, that used to be uh, such a big news show, and I don't know what's happened to it now because we get news all the time on 18 different channels. But he was featured on that, and if you got a recruit against Frank Wilson in Louisiana, you're probably losing. Intriguing. Did not know that. Well, he's at McNeese State now at a lower level, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. He, um, I feel like if you're coaching one of the smaller schools in Louisiana, not LSU or anything, but I feel like it's easy to recruit at the lower level. I feel like you just need gas money. Whatever <laughs> to find he's, he's back at LSU. He's the associate head coach and running backs coach at LSU now. Oh, that's right. He was at McNeese State for two years. I'm sorry. You're right. He's yeah. it. Okay, so he's it. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's dangerous. And then him recruiting Louisiana with Brian Kelly, the schematic genius. And, and y'all call me an LSU homer, but this is something to be scared of. But, yeah, they, they, so Texas San Antonio returns their quarterback. They return a lot of talent. I just think that Tennessee should win. They should win easily, but they, they can't just cakewalk this game. No. And, and the, the and, other – And Travis brings up a good – point you get zero credit for beating them zero zero i mean it's one of those where i don't know why you schedule it you knew texas san antonio was a program on the rise this was back in the um it's kind of like back in the day where you know memphis was the one school that tennessee would schedule a home and home with football wise because they wanted the recruiting edge in basketball so it was kind of an agreement there but most of these schools that have that can be dangerous you don't want to schedule them 
because you're right, you get no credit for beating them. And if you lose, it's a really bad look. No, agreed. So we will, um, we'll see what UTSA is able to, to bring to Neyland Stadium. Like you, I think that Tennessee should win fairly easily. That's got to be an incredible place to recruit to because, goodness gracious, it's like a cleaner New Orleans. It's like somebody took a, like a, one of those cleaning wipes and just, did over New Orleans, and that's San Antonio. It's a fun city where you feel safe. <laughs> There's something. <laughs> yeah, but you can't get as drunk all the time, so, you know. Eh, some One of the two of us has tried. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. We will talk to you on Monday. We're live every weekday at 10 a.m. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. Stay tuned to offthehooksports.com for great recruiting coverage all weekend. Thanks to Caleb Jaru. Also, hit the like and subscribe button if you haven't now because we got Jeff Hall dropping. We got Mercedes Hamilton dropping. We are throwing them out there. Celebrate 98 brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. Have a fantastic day, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening, everyone.